Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Imagine this. It's Christmas 2018, and as a surprise, you've bought your boyfriend an at-home DNA test kit. A few weeks later, you're sitting in bed next to the man you've been dating for over a year, and he opens up his results. You compare health and ancestry, nothing too surprising here. But then you see it. He has a DNA match with a half-sister he didn't know about. And that half-sister, according to your results, is you. This is just one of the thousands of stories that are coming out now that more and more people are taking these ancestry tests. Today, we look into how they're shaking up families and exposing some nasty truths about sperm donation clinics. Between them, the top three at-home DNA testing companies in the world, Ancestry DNA, 23andMe and Family Tree DNA, have tested the DNA of around 20 million people across dozens of countries. The stats out of the US is that around 2% of those experience what they refer to as an NPE, or non-parental event. That means out of the 12 million kits sold last year, 240,000 people found out that one or both of their parents aren't actually their parents. The couple we mentioned who found out they were half-brother and sister after doing their test, they found out that their mothers, who come from the same town, had both needed a sperm donor as their partners were infertile. By chance, their mums had chosen the same donor. Writer, genealogist and DNA enthusiast Debbie Kennett says there are many stories of NPAs being shared online. So I've come across people who have not had the ethnicity results they expected and they, for example, come out, um, say, 50% Jewish when they were expecting to come out with all British ancestry. And normally when the ethnicity results are discordant, it's usually the father where there's been what we call a, a not the parent expected event. There are a lot of cases of you know, people who are adopted, particularly in countries like um, Ireland and America, where there's restricted access to original birth records. So people can find out from a DNA test that they're adopted. They haven't been told by the family. We're also seeing a lot of people who were donor conceived now discovering through DNA tests, learning of their donor origins. And that can, again, be a, a big surprise. And we've even had cases of babies who've been mixed up in hospitals and the, the parents have taken the wrong baby home. There have been, um, I believe it's three or four such cases now. So there's all sorts of surprises coming out. And essentially, if people have family secrets, they are going to come out sooner or later. In some cases, these commercial at-home DNA testing kits have uncovered something else cases of fertility doctors using their own sperm to help their clients conceive and not that of an anonymous donor. It's called fertility fraud. Someone who's been looking into the legal minefield of this phenomena is Professor Jody Madeira from the University of Indiana. Professor, do we have a handle on how many of these doctors have been exposed by these commercial DNA tests? I'm guessing in the United States, 
around 15 to 17 at this point, some of which have not been publicly identified, and I'm guessing worldwide over 30. Wow. So one in particular who seems to be the most infamous at the moment is Dr. Donald Klein. Do we know how many children have been discovered that they're the result of him using his own sperm? Yes. At this point, I think approximately 63 children. Do we know what he told his patients at the time when these women were going through fertility treatment? What were they told? Oh, yes. They were told that they were, would get sperm from an anonymous medical resident that resembled the husband. And in some cases, they were actually told that they would get the husband's sperm. Did he ever give a reason or has he given a reason at this stage as to why he did that? He sort of given a number of reasons. The first of which is that he essentially didn't want to let people down when they came to see him. So, you know, if he couldn't obtain a donor, he hated to turn women away. He knew how much they wanted a child. And that kind of makes him seem like a doctor who is really motivated by the best interests of his patients. He's given some other answers. Apparently, he used to do abortions in the 1970s, and he's told people allegedly that he wanted to atone for that behavior. He has intimated that I think most often that it was just sort of a business decision in the sense that he didn't want to turn women away because he didn't you know, want to disappoint them. If it wasn't for the boom in these home testing kits, do you think Dr. Klein would ever have been found out? I don't actually think that he would have been. So the only way for him to have been found out would have been for him to be matched by paternity tests. And so I think it's possible that others would have found out that they, for example, that the couples in which the husband's sperm would have been used, it's possible to find out that the husband hadn't fathered a child. But of course, one wouldn't know who the donor was. And there would be no reason to think it was a doctor. I mean, that was just so incomprehensible to some people. So I I don't think he actually would have been found out, no. So if it weren't for these tests and Dr. Klein wasn't exposed, he could have gone on forever with this secret. And I guess for a lot of donors, that would have been the case before these tests came in. But they're now exposing more and more donors, not only who wanted to be anonymous, but sometimes they're not even the ones giving their DNA. They might have a relative give a DNA and then they can kind of trace them back to who their donor is. How do you feel as someone in this kind of legal sphere about this DNA testing kind of overriding that right to anonymity for donors? I think that it's inevitable. So technologies always have, you know, things that we can expect will happen if you use them. But they always have these unexpected uses as well. And I think, you know, here in the United States, we've had, you know, criminal cases that have gone unsolved for a very long time, like the Golden State Killer out of California, which was unsolved for, you know, 30 years and or more. And all of a sudden, we use these tests to find a match and find the killer. But I think, you know, they're they're sort of destroying anonymity across the board. I think one of the things that's definitely going to happen is that, Folks have to get used to the idea that there might be skeletons in the closet that you'll find. And it's, it's sort of odd for anybody in particular to expect this. I mean, when you do these tests, oftentimes you're just doing it for a lark or you're doing it to find out, you know, genetic ancestry information. But I think that, you know, more and more, these long-lost relatives or adoptions are coming out. I think that one of the difficult things about direct-to-consumer genetic testing is that in Australia, 
there's definitely a move towards getting rid of anonymity. I mean, Victoria, even retroactively, said there cannot be donor anonymity for sperm donors. And so, you know, even I, if I was conceived through donation uh, in the 1980s, I could contact the sperm bank and potentially get in contact with my donor through that bank. But here in the United States, I think we're a lot more protective of anonymity for better or for worse. And a lot of sperm banks have policies, for example, where you can't contact a donor before the child is 18. And what has happened in at least one case is that a mother does a genetic test for her child. This person pops up there that she feels must be identified with the donor. And without thinking of the clinic policy, she contacts that person through the direct consumer genetic Facebook feature, you know, where you can contact your relatives that the test matches you up to. In that case, there were legal consequences because the person she contacted turned out to be the donor's mom or her child's grandmother. And the mom told the sperm bank and the sperm bank contacted the mother and said, you have to stop doing this. And by the way, we're taking back this vials of sperm that you have purchased so that you can have a sibling that's biologically related to your child. And so they're currently in litigation. And I think that outcome is going to be very interesting. So I think it creates a lot of traps. So before you decide to pop some of your saliva into a little cup to find out if your ancestors were Vikings or what percentage Spanish you are, you should also prepare yourself to possibly find out that your immediate ancestry might also require an awkward phone call to mum. That's all for The Quickie today. For more episodes, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash The Quickie. And if you're a parent and just want to hear an honest show about parenting, why don't you head on over to our parenting podcast, This Glorious Mess. Uh, this week, Holly and Andrew chat about the etiquette behind leaving your child alone at a birthday party. Follow the link in our show notes or search This Glorious Mess in your favourite podcast app. 